Hey, this is Brendan Gersall, and you are listening to the Speaking of Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with another one of my heroes. I'm trying to do that a little bit more lately, and you're going to see that happen from time to time where I sit down with somebody who has just meant the world to me, who's shaped me and influenced me, and God has used mightily in my life. And today, I sit down with a man, one of my heroes named John Simons. He has been many things to me. In recent years, he's been a colleague and a mentor and a friend, I would even say, but my whole whole life he's been a pastor he's been uh, a leading figure in the church he's been a professor to me he taught me how to preach he's taught me so many things he was literally my bible college professor on a number of of levels and i'm just thrilled to be able to sit down with one of my heroes i could talk to him all day uh, i expect you're going to enjoy this as well this is my conversation with pastor john simons so, Pastor John Simons, uh, I've been wanting to sit down with some of my heroes, and uh, you, sir, fit that bill. I was thinking, how do I how do I tell people who you are to me? And you've been a pastor to me. Um, you have specifically at Kingswood. You were the campus pat. You were the. I was. Yeah. You were the, well. I was in at, at school. Uh, training to be a pastor, but you weren't just my pastor then. Uh, you were my professor as well. You taught me uh, preaching, which we'll talk about some, I think, later on, hopefully. Um, I was thinking you are pro- you probably hold the record for person I've heard preach live most in my life, really? I would think. I think so, or at least that I can remember. You know what I mean? Like, I, I might have heard Mel Norton uh, growing, okay. up at, growing up at Olivet in Fredericton. Might have heard him more times, but... The soundtrack of preaching in my childhood and adolescence and then young adulthood, you know, Beulah, I've probably heard you dozens of times and then, you know, would have heard probably a couple few hundred times over three or four years at Kingswood. Uh, right. I would preach twice a week there. Yeah, often. totally. Yeah. yeah. So you're, Apples. yeah, you're, what's that? <laughs> a couple of yeah, week, yeah, times at a chapel, week. Yeah. 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 At chapel. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. You've been you've been a, a preacher to me, and a teacher to me. You've taught me taught me expository preaching and homiletics. Yeah. Um, I actually remember some of that, so that's good. Um, and then pastoral ministry too, like like basic pastoral uh, ministry class. Yeah. In fact, I was thinking back <laughs> to remembering an infamous. Uh, you know, that covers a lot of the practical, like you know, communion yeah. and pastoral care and visitation weddings and funerals yeah and sort of the crash thing. course of pastoral ministry and everything you're going to need to know except for finances which for some reason yeah. for some reason uh we we send our clergy out fully unequipped to deal with the fact that you're yeah. running a business at some level but yeah that comes later but well, I, was I was i was fully unequipped to to teach that whole end of it really well but what you did though is you brought you you took us to the field i remember uh I remember a certain visit to uh, a funeral home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'll never forget going to the funeral home, getting the tour, yeah. going back to see the... Do you want to remember about that? There was, a, there was a kid or two in that class who had, never, who had never been in a funeral home, who had never been to a funeral, was really freaked out, and they took us to the... They took us to the... Casket room. Yeah, well, no, I think we... Display, the part that I remember was that the, 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 the funeral director took us back to the, the morgue, like, not the morgue, but where they prepare the bodies. Oh, okay. And 
the, every, I, everyone was just white as a ghost back there, and and he was talking about how comfortable he was with it. Yeah, and like he's that how he'd done family members yeah. and stuff, and we he were liked, all just like he was enjoying talking about. Oh, it he loved it, and yeah. we were all just like, you know, just deer in <laughs> head, deer in headlights. But uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a real treat to be able to sit down with you. I have a, I have a bit of a personal goal, and that is to stretch this beyond thirty minutes. Okay. So yeah, you, you you are you are the, the the notorious you know if you can't say something short well yeah. you know don't say it which I think you're I think you're right about that but I'm gonna try to to, to pull you know you. what that that whole thirty minute thing came from it, back in uh, the day my years in Yarmouth uh, it was a good discipline for me to try to put my sermon on a thirty minute cassette tape remember oh, okay, cassette tapes? yeah. With the closing song, wow. if we had one, on a 30-minute cassette. So you had about 24 minutes. That was a good discipline. I found that was just a good discipline. So that's that's really where you that's, learned that's to... That's how I kind of learned to... Wow. And now I almost, I almost end up at 25 to 27 max yeah. without hardly... It's become part of what I do, it seems. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. funny. Eh? You just learn how to prepare a certain well, way. I, yeah. Uh, for better or worse, for my people, I, I sort of default at about 44 or 46 minutes. Like yeah. it just, And then if it's long, it goes a little longer than that. If it's short, it's 38, which would be long for you. Yeah. 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 But um, so just for people who don't know your story, you have been in ministry for decades now. When did you start in like pastoral ministry? I was a school teacher of public schools in Fredericton until 79. Okay. And left teaching in June of 79, went off to Asbury Theological Seminary in Kentucky, graduated in 82. So I'm in my 39th year since, right. yeah, since 82. So just about my lifetime. Just about. You've, you've been doing this. The fall of 82, I came to Corbett Avenue in Fredericton. Yeah. I would love to, because I, I've never asked you, I've heard you talk about, um, you know, you were a school teacher. Yeah. What, what went into that transition? Like, how do you, how did you go from... Uh, you know, teaching teaching classes in Fredericton in the public school system yeah. to I'm going to give my whole life to building yeah. the church and reaching the lost. I was a miserable school teacher. I don't mean I was a poor school teacher. I mean, I was miserable teaching. You, okay. I defaulted into teaching in 67. I'm finished university. And uh, in those days, the school superintendents would come to the college hiring, trying to hire students who are just graduating. The okay. jobs were that plentiful. Really? And I thought, I need to do something. I'll Here's try teaching. But wow. I, never happy doing it. I wow. Mean, my favorite times were noon hour and recess and summer vacations, right. weekends. And it, it just stressed me out. I'd get up in the morning, couldn't eat breakfast. I was in, not interested in my lunch, make up for it at night. Yeah. And I lived like that for 12 years. But years seven, eight, and nine, I see it all clearly now. God was impressing on me. I just had the greatest hunger to to be in vocational ministry. Right. And uh, just but think, convince myself it was too late. Right. I so mean, you would I'm, have been I'm in my mid thirties. Right. I have a house and a mortgage and a wife and two children. Wow. And it's too late. I can't. I can't go back. And I had myself convinced of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's the one of the primary things that holds us back from taking steps of faith like that is yeah. all these all these reasons why I'm yeah. I'm kind of tied to this lifestyle now. Yeah. 
I couldn't, I couldn't see God in it. I thought I had to work this out and this out and this out. And it just came to the place where uh, I found myself in a service at Beulah Camp yeah. on a Saturday morning, the educational service. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the guy that's chairing the service says, turn around and tell someone what God's doing in your life. Uh, and I'm thinking, not much. Wow. And uh, I'm... And I turned around, there was my pastor, Norman Trafter. Okay. And I found myself saying to him, this is the year I am done with teaching school. I'm going off and prepare for ministry. Wow. And his response to that uh, was so positive and affirming. And that was 78. Wow. And so I you taught went for one more year. Okay. And then went off to Asbury in 79. So it seems like, because I think for people who, who aren't, in ministry, like which uh, actually most of the people who would be listening to this wouldn't be, you know, I'd, I'd love to dive into the, the process of that, like how God led you into something new. Did it start? It, it seems like it started with discontentment. Yes, did it, it did. It started with just like, yeah. this is just not. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it started with that, just a feeling and coupled with that, coupl- coupling with the disenchantment and the and the disappointment and unfulfilling teaching school was the yearning right i i mean i would pick up catalogs from a, a bible college or a seminary oh, and wow. browse through it wow and dream and look at the courses and even tell tell Willowan, my wife tell her that how i wish i could do this but of course i can't she was pushing me constantly wow well that's a real give it up just, just do it. We'll find a way. God will show the way. He'll open the door. He'll provide the. But I couldn't seem. Yeah, it was a July Sunday that I made that in '78 when I finally said, "This is it. Yeah. I'm going to take the move." You had to do but, that first, though. You know, that's an interesting thing that you just say there. I was waiting for God to, to do the neon lights in the sky or an audible voice, provide a scholarship. I, but I had to take a faith step in order for God to begin to open the yeah. door. I think that's true for anybody. Yeah. In every circumstance, I'm waiting for God to do it all, yeah. you know, to show me. But when I took that faith step, declaring to uh, Pastor Trafton right. that day, then God began to open doors in amazing ways. And you wonder, you wonder how many, God's so patient, but it's not coincidental that he was behind you, you know, like yeah. that you turned and you saw him and yeah. God... You wonder yeah. how often, I've thought about this in my own life, like, you know, you you wonder how many times the Lord has been working to try to make, ma- just make you move, you know, yeah. but he's waiting on, it's funny, we get waiting on God and he's often waiting on us, Yeah. you know, and you I, I've been thinking about that even for this like 2020 and the crazy time that it's been for all of us, but especially like just ha- the church and asking the questions about, you know, when, when are we going to move forward in this? And I, and I've, had a big sense of a lot of it is just waiting on the Lord to do something, but I don't know if God moves before we move yeah. a lot of the time. And that, yeah. you know, we're supposed to wait on God. You know, it says in Ephesians 6, you know, after having done all, stand firm. You know, like yeah. that, there is a, there is like a, a component of our yeah. doing, and then we rest in the fact that God yeah. God's going to do what we can't do for ourselves. Yeah. But it's like God wants, it's like, I think sometimes maybe we want God to do for us what we can do for ourselves. Maybe like, I think so. Yeah. I don't know who, where I read it first. Sometimes you you read things and you forget where you read them. You think you thought of it. Right. Not even God can, can steer a parked car. 
Wow, yeah. And so way back then I felt it, it needed me to begin to take a faith step and start to move, and then God began to steer me in, a, in yeah. amazing ways. Way back as early as in August of, you know, then I began to apply, what will I do, the Bible school thing? Will I go to seminary? And, but as I began to, to move, yeah. God began to open the doors and show me clearly yeah. what and where and how and just the, all of the rest. Like a momentum starts happening. Yeah, and things, you know, a little thing, not a little thing, Gus then, uh, owned a house. Uh, housing market was not moving in that year. Put the house on the market and sold it for five day, in five days to a neighbor. Wow. Uh, just, just, just an amazing sequence of things yeah. that, you know, you could say one thing might be a coincidence, but not, not ten things. Yeah. God was orchestrating as I was being obedient and beginning to, to move forward. Yeah. And you, I, you guys had two little kids at the time. Not real little. Let me see. Seventy-eight. Uh, Brock would have been seven and Nikki six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess little kids. Little, I guess they're <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was an adventure for the whole family. Yeah. They were they were so pumped, so excited. Oh man. It was it was an awesome time. And you yeah. would have, uh, you know, it's I, I it's funny. I talked to Dr. H. C. Wilson about about this because I wanted to get his story as well. And it's like, you know, again back to the patience of God and the, like the will of God, you know. Would if if you didn't answer that call, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there would have been versions, a whole a whole different timeline of your life, and God's grace would have still expressed itself, and God would have been kind to you no matter what, you know. And I sometimes sometimes think we overthink the will of God, but there's nothing like though answering a clear, specific invitation from God for the way that sort of just unlocks, it unlocks us, yeah. you know, and like there's a yeah. Like I can't, I can't envision you doing anything else. Like that's, you know, that's the, that's that's the beauty of it is sort of yeah. getting on that right frequency. I think with yeah. the Lord. But so you came, you went, you went to, you went to seminary. Yeah. And then, out of that, did you go straight to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia? No, I went to, I came back to Willowands Home Church, which would be Corvette Avenue Church in Fredericton. Okay. As an assistant to Milton Bagley for one year. I didn't know she's from Corbett. Is that where all yeah. like the Mitchells uh, went? Uh, years before that, the Mitchell family moved when Corbett was a plant. Okay. And uh, from Fredericton first. So her family was well established there and in leadership uh, when, okay. when we married back in 68. So that was that was her home church. And pe- people, the viewers at home don't know or probably don't care, but I'm related to Willow Ann, right? We, yes. My my grandmother, my grandmother is her is aunt. her aunt. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it, it, big big giant family. Yeah. But yeah, um, sure. so you went to Corbett, and, and that was how long were you there? Just one year. One year, and then you went to Yarmouth. Yeah. And that yeah. so. so and when you went to Yarmouth, what you know, what size was that church? You know, as far as people, on a, I think they averaged that the year before I went there. I averaged sixty-two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was established, established yeah. church. Yeah. It was a, it was a solid church. The thing that was exciting to me about going there is that the, the vice chair of the board at that time says, w- "Would you come down here and help us? If you give us leadership, we'll follow you." Wow. I mean. <laughs> If that's yeah, that's I all mean, you need. Not right? every not every little church uh, would say a thing like that. Yeah. And did they? And they did. Wow. Well, I think did. the evidence is there, and I want to yeah. talk about that before before I move into that because I want to I want to I want to talk about because it's such a unique story of of what God did through you at Yarmouth, 
you know, it's really just an outlier. You know, it's such a unique thing. Um, but uh, I wanted, you know, you referenced um, Pastor Trafton and Cochran and who were who were the people that influenced you the most? You know, through those through those years, even you'd even look back and say those were shaping voices in my life that yeah. got me here. Who were they? And and then I guess the follow up would be why? Like, what was it about their life or their ministry or something they said? Yeah. That, that did that well initially it'd be my father yeah my dad was a longtime pastor here in the in the maritimes he went into the ministry in his 30s oh really and pastored 40 years until he was yeah 70 but was he a teacher before no no my dad was a fisherman and a trucker and okay yeah yeah who god miraculously healed oh when he was a young man dramatically healed him in a moment of time from what uh, he broke his back, picking up huge rocks, building a dock down in southwest Nova Scotia, Port Maitland area. Broke his back and was five years an invalid and and uh, couldn't do a thing. And a healing, dramatic healing service. That's a story in itself. I, I want to hear it. Well, can, it was, can you tell it? It's an amazing story. Uh, five years in, one of the men in the church said, uh, Gordon, that was my dad's name, I think we ought to have a healing service. And five or six of them gathered at my dad's home. <laughs> and uh, laid hands on him and prayed for him. And uh, my dad had been five years not being able to bend from the waist to pick anything up. Oh, wow. And, and they were about to put him in a metal kind of a straight jacket thing to keep him erect and firm. And, and he'd never do physical work again. And three little kids... And uh, and they came, a couple of pastors, a visiting evangelist in the church, and two or three lay people in the church, men, laid hands on him and prayed for him, and Dad went to bed that night. Get up the next day, and was his habit, he went down to the, to the yard, to the bottom of the driveway to pick up a bag of feed, which we dr- my dad always kept a few, a- few animals. Yeah. And... Uh, Went down there, and after years of not being able to pick up that bag, he would nudge it over onto a wheelbarrow and then straighten the wheelbarrow. And all oh. the time, went down, bent over, and picked up the the bag of feed and was carrying it. Wow! <laughs> My mother comes out, and she says, "Gordon, what are you doing?" And he says, "I think I've been healed." Wow! Uh, went in the house, and she stripped off his shirt. For years, she had been rubbing Absorbing Junior on his back. And one side of his back, it was just pliable. You could push it right in. Yeah. Both sides were hard as a rock. She'd been doing that daily for years. Wow. So in a moment of time, then my dad gets invited to go around to the various churches in southwest Nova Scotia yeah. and tell his healing story. Yeah. And a and, uh, miraculous story, and God tremendously used that. Well, then he gets invited back to preach, to speak a second time, and my father thinks... Can't tell the same story. Have to prepare a sermon. That was, and that was the beginning. And then at a little church way down in Woods Harbor, Nova Scotia, where Jason Parker is yeah, today, yeah. Um, says, "Would you come down and be our pastor?" And he moved down. Yeah. Wow, I did not. I I knew nothing of that. Oh, really? No. Everybody should hear that story. Yeah, I have my dad's voice on a cassette tape telling that story. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a real treasure. Yeah. I play it for my grandkids. I want them to know what happened to their their grandfather. I, don't you think we have to be intentional about, especially like 
don't know, with when it comes to, like, it, we so easily forget when God has done something spectacular. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, maybe it's the enemy, maybe it's sin yeah. in us, but it just seems to fall out of our memory so yeah. fast. Well, I hear, I feel bad that, I know I've known you all those years, you've yeah. never heard I've my nev- dad's story. I've never heard it. Well, I feel that's on me, that I should, there should be a way for me to tell that more often than I do. During my Yarmouth years, I would have my dad down right. when he'd come down to visit. I always got him up to tell his story. In the later years, he couldn't, he didn't feel he had the emotional strength to tell it, yeah. so we'd do it like this, interview-wise. Yeah. I'd bring him to the platform. We'd sit in chairs yeah. and ask him questions and lead him through it. And, yeah. and people would rejoice. And then we'd anoint people, with call people, yeah. if you want to prayed for for healing. I'd love to ask you about about like prayer for healing because you know that hasn't that's that's such an unusual thing you know just again over the last maybe five to seven years I've been on a journey trying to you know explore that hear these stories do some read you know maybe swim in some different streams you know uh, of the church maybe people who have a little more um, experience or I don't know, appetite even for it. And I, I, I didn't really grow up where that was something to be, you know, experienced regularly, like that God's a God of miracles. It was just such a, um, you know, not just supernatural, but super rare, yeah. you know, a thing to, to hear a story like that. Yeah. I don't know that it needs to be, though, like that. I wonder, you know, you read Jesus say, you know, these signs, these signs will accompany you. You know, you will heal the sick. Yeah. You will cast out demons. You'll cleanse lepers. You'll raise the dead. Like either he didn't know what he's talking about, or we're missing something. Because yeah. like that, honestly, like I mean, I I don't know if is it the if if you ask not, you have not. Maybe we're yeah. Just, maybe we're just not diligent take, enough. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I, I tell you what, though. I hear. I hear. I hear a story like that, and I'm like, yeah. we're missing something. Yeah. You know, like that, that's, there's an appetite yeah, inside of me that think you're right. that rises up. Even back to the conversation of being discontent. I'm discontent with this level of power, maybe. In, and I'm definitely not one of these people. I mean, I read, I read my Bible. Paul died of something. You know, <laughs> Peter died of something. Like, I don't think yeah. that God's going to heal everybody. I don't. Like, I, and I, I push. There's a part of me that thinks it's unhelpful to kind of do blanket statement, you know, hey, if we really had faith or, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't go into hospitals and empty them out. Like, I, no, I, I, I don't think that's supposed to be the case, yeah. but I also don't think that the church is supposed to settle into this yeah. zone of, you know, we're supposed to win people only with apologetics or uh, a holy example. I actually think that one of the primary evangelistic tools was supposed to be signs and wonders that point back yeah. you know like the fact that your your father that one that one incredible miracle you know it it, it became an on-ramp to to christ for people all along the south shore and then now how many years how many years passed when did that happen i mean we're now talking about the same thing stirring up faith yeah. you know like we i think we were missing long before i was born 1936 so my dad was healed, and henceforth, all through the years, even when he was pastoring, he always did physical work. He had a big garden, yeah, hunted in the woods, and 
raised rabbit hounds. He's always a physical yeah. labor kind of guy. He was, was he a large stature? Like he, was uh, he a big he was, guy? He was maybe not quite as tall as I am, but he was over six feet. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a big man, hardy, strong. I just, I, there's, there's something I just, God won't let me leave it. And I won't, I will not get into some sort of cessationist zone. Like I think, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, I mean, you, you'd be a student of the church, you know, you'd be someone who, you know, has lived in it, served in it, studied it. You know, you see on the one hand, you'll see people that they've not experienced the miraculous. So they just settle into this. Well, Clearly, there's miracles in the book of Acts, but that's, you know, the cessationists, right? That this this stuff, that was just for them to get the Bible and get the church going, and now really we're on our own. It's, God, it's us and the Holy Bible, and, you know, name of the game, stay faithful. And then you have, you know, so a lack of miracles produces that doubt. Or I've seen a lack of miracles has produced um some pretty crazy sort of, I think, human fabrications of, you know, calling something supernatural that really isn't, you know? And I just wonder though, like, again, the enemy's just trying to distort and pervert and get us off of what it is God really has for us. And I, I, I hope that before I'm done, I hope that my kid's generation even, like that that's a little more the supernatural is a little more natural for them i hope i hope that's the case i and i wonder you know even on the other side of whatever 2020 is and whatever god's doing in the church and whatever's happening on the earth i think there's some substantial things moving toward i think of hopefully i'm believing for a big move of god i think part of that will be you know the kingdom really being expressed in powerful ways being yeah. manifested in front of people yeah and you know i hope i hope that my kids that it's not as strange of a thing you know to lay hands on someone and expect them to be healed yeah you know for me it was such a you know it's just a strange yeah. thing that my grandchildren aren't seeing enough of that kind of thing yeah I, there must be a more sensible center over there between the radical yeah. extremes of that whole yeah. issue. We not, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I just think we got, but I mean, conversations like this keep coming up, and I, I feel like the Lord won't let me, yeah, let it go or 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 drift into some sort of apathetic, yeah, you know. Well, it'd be cool if it happened. No, I think we're actually supposed to contend that it happens. Yes. Um, so that's well, thanks for sharing that because yeah, I didn't. You've kind of motivated me to dig that cassette tape out. Yeah, and uh, and play it for my you my should, grandkids. You should they also need, record it to, on yeah. digital. Like I so, need, I need to do that. Make it make a copy. And yeah, that's uh, you'd enjoy listening. I would. I, that's why I was. Yeah. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Like I really it's, would. It's my dad and mom sitting in the living room, and dad telling the story, and mother interjecting comments and and gordon this happened and remember this and uh and getting emotional while they're telling it yeah can you imagine the the part where my father my mother tells about standing in the window and looking out and seeing my father walk up the yard with a bag of feed something she hasn't seen in five years over his shoulder right just and he went down and did that without thinking you don't do that after five years of of being unable to do Hard nope. to put your shoes own shoes on. Yeah, 
something something shifted in his in his thinking even yeah yeah well the miracle sure. miracle in more than just the back yeah yeah well and that's that's uh, such an incredible <laughs> thing i don't, w- one of the things we've you know we're, we're, we're trying to do um at king's church in our leadership like pastor dan lamus one of the things we've tasked him with is like being a, a, a sort of a scribe where we can you when you hear of something awesome that god did write it down and record it and put it put it somewhere because we just for, we just are going to oh, forget what a great idea and so we're trying we're trying to make that a practice and you know i think i i, I think somewhere in all this there's a couple things that I, I feel like the lord's showing me one is like we need we need to take note when he does things and then we have to talk about it like the testimony i think i think one of the reasons the church is the church is maybe lacks power is because we we just aren't diligent with testimony and we we don't we don't speak about what god has done enough because that creates faith and then faith creates the avenue that god can can move through in power isn't that interesting you say that you see the church of my youth i grew up in we had services that were dedicated to they were testimony meetings yep the the tuesday night or wednesday night prayer meeting yep half of that service yeah. was people giving testimony, giving witness of what God is doing, has done, is doing currently yeah. in my life. And then that service sort, sort of, of disappeared. Away. And then in the days of the Sunday evening, we'd occasionally place a testimony yeah. or two in the service. And Yeah, I, I had to, from last it. last Sunday, we, we do ha- we were doing live services now, and uh, the, the guy who preached um, was sick overnight so i you know i got the call kind of first thing sunday morning i had had nothing prepared and so i moved i did a testimony i did a testimony time you know at uh, our valley location just in person just good old-fashioned i talked about that like i i remember i mean you gave your testimony no i passed the mic around oh yeah yeah and then like I, i wonder i wonder if there was a season there where maybe the the seeker sensitive movement or you know and I, i'd be the first to admit like i think there's real wisdom in curating you know our worship services and in for lack of a better word trying to control content at some level like that you know we're going we're gonna to sing these songs we're going to we're going to do this scripture we're going to do this sermon but i wonder if we haven't over you know over cultivated to the point where we you know I'll be the first to admit I don't love just passing around the microphone because I don't know what you don't know yeah. what you're going to get, you know. Yeah. So in the past, our testimonies have been pre-recorded, you know, which is powerful. But yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if we aren't in the habit of letting people tell their story, you know. And yeah. that's one of the things we're hoping, you know. We're as of the time of this recording, we're launching home churches. We've got over 800 people that have signed up to be part of that. So Wonderful. we're very excited about that. But I do hope that some of this stuff we're talking about, the testimony, building one another's faith through story, and actually praying for healing, some of that can be fleshed out in right that in, con- in that context. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm hoping I'm hoping for that. So, yeah. so uh, your dad was one of your heroes. I mean, yes. We didn't get we didn't get very far <laughs> on that. Who else though? Any any other like uh, whether one of the things you you taught me, I, I do remember this as well in college is you can have mentors that you don't know you know you yeah. you can read their books yeah. and who who have influ- who's influenced you the most over the years books um charles swindoll 
Yeah. Always loved his books. He's the great illustrator. Yeah. Right. He taught me, I believe, to illustrate well. Mm-hmm. And when you're preaching, loved his books, loved his stuff, and especially his. He's the master of the storyteller. I think he was. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, Bill Hybels was a strong influence yep. on me. I went to the Hybels things before, maybe before anybody in the district did. I was going in the early 90s. And then you had to go, if you wanted to go, I went to Chicago a couple of times. But then the, when the simulcast started, I would go to Boston. Yeah. And there might be two or three from this district. This is yeah. long before the leadership summit ever yeah. came here. But uh, his stuff, his passion for lost people just stirred me deeply john maxwell yeah those are three men that i never met yeah you know S- swindoll hybels and maxwell yeah and uh my brother-in-law doug mccollum okay when i was a young yeah. man he 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 pushed me hard and i resisted this too let's meet once a week and pray together wow i didn't want to do that yeah you know but uh yeah. doug was just a, a good man and nudged me in that direction my brother Connard. Oh yeah, yeah. He's my brother Connard. When I was, when I was wrestling with the whole thing, you know, I would go on in the mid seventies when I was wrestling with the discontent with teaching and the wanting to do ministry, and I said, I can't, I can't leave, I can't leave the, the teaching profession and go off to seminary. I mean, I'm thirty five, and in and in time I graduate in three years, I'll be thirty eight. And he said, well, how old will you be in three years if you don't do it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds exactly like... <laughs> that's that's yeah. my brother, Connor. Yeah, Connor, Connor was like an uncle to me. He, the, yeah. he, 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 him and his wife, Debbie, would play Rook with my parents every, pretty much every Sunday night, I think. I don't know, at least once a week. And he'd, yeah. he we <laughs> loved having him around. He just treated us like we were yeah, his own. I, so. I miss Connor. Me too. Me too, very much. Um, you, you know, I'm picking up a theme, though, in your life. And that is kind of like getting over that resistance inside of us, you know, whether it's taking the risk, you know, and making a career change um, in spite of all the the reasons why not to do it. You find reasons to do it that outweigh it. And one of the things I've always been really challenged by you, or, you know, you talk about Doug McCollum, you know, let's go pray together. Like, "Ah, I don't want to do that, but you did it. Yeah. And I, I think about you, you as an evangelist, someone who just had really lived in your ministry. You, you didn't just preach sermons on Sunday. You you did like at least once a week, I think, yeah. if I remember. You'd go you'd go door to door. Not door to door, cold turkey. Never. Okay. No, but I would, not full uh, Mormon. Not, no, not, no, no. I always <laughs> knew. Almost always, I knew who was on the other side of the door. But but our strategy from '83 on in Yarmouth was to attract them and chase them. Yeah, and we literally did that. So if you got anyone contact, who, right? Anyone who visited on Sunday, we were at their door, which was all right to do. Yeah, in that, in that culture, in that day, maybe it still would be in Yarmouth to knock on a door unexpected mm-hmm. and have people say yeah come, come on, on in glad to see you yeah You're not maybe not in the city maybe not in this city yeah but we did that anyone who visited sunday we were at their door and you it, night. it was you me but and there were nights it was me and one person i always had somebody with me rarely yeah. did i ever go alone yeah I took somebody with me if there were uh 
six that showed up with three teams of two. Yeah. If there were five, there were two teams of two and me alone. Yeah. Wow. And but that's what that, that's doesn't sound like a terrific strategy for church girls, but we literally most of the people I would say in the eighties and nineties who came to faith in Jesus Christ prayed to receive Christ in their home Tuesday night and let it be known on Sunday. That's that's pul- pul- wow. Pulpit evangelism was a weakness of mine, I thought, then, and maybe it, it's almost like it's almost like the Father didn't bless my my casting the net on the weekend services right. so much because yeah. he wanted me out there and wanted us, and that was the yeah. that was the strategy we used all the way up through the years, the eighties and nineties. I, I I think that's a it's a better model. You know, like as far as uh, it's a more that's got to that's got to impact someone deeper um, that this happened in my home where I yeah. live. God came yeah. knocking at my door quite literally. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've seen lots. Of, I've seen hundreds of people make commitments at, at a service. Yeah. And, you know, there's a bunch of things happening at a service that it might just be their emotions. It might yeah. just be a moment and then you never see them again. Yeah. You know, it's so uh, we would say to them. Uh, like on a Tuesday night. Now, Sunday morning, at the end of the service, we'll call for people that would like to, uh, and we would invite them to come to the front in that day, in that culture. Wow. And I would say, now, Bob and Sue made a commitment of their lives to Jesus Christ. This is after they had come and knelt. They made their commitment to Jesus Christ in their home Tuesday night, and they're here today to declare their faith in Jesus Christ and we're going to pray together now, and then I want you to come up and welcome them into the family of God. A wonderful way to wow. include a service, and those were, yeah. Do you think, you know, I, I hear I hear that, and it's like, I sometimes wonder if some of this kingdom stuff, following Jesus stuff, for for lack of a better word, um, is quite ju- is just quite simple, and we might stall trying to be too cute with it you know whether it's like a you know a a service or an invitation like there's something really pure about just showing up at someone's house saying i want to tell you about jesus yeah i want to tell you the gospel here's what it is you know god you know there is a god and he's created us and you you lay it out there and says there's sin that's a problem and jesus died for your sins so that we could be reconciled to god I remember, I remember in college, you know, you one of your evangelistic things is you would walk people through the bridge, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the kind of the two chasms, and yeah. you know, there's a little man here and a little man there, and the you'd you put the cross as the bridge, and it's yeah. it's a great little tool. It is, you know, and we used that, we used that, taught it, used it, we yeah, it for people on the corner of their coffee table, on a piece of a new page, newspaper, on the kids' homework, yeah, and. Uh, but our approach, too, is very relational. Yeah. I remember John Maxwell, strong influence uh, on me. He would say, within 20 minutes of being in the home, you ought to be talking about Jesus. We weren't nearly that high sell. We were much more relational. Yeah. I was in Yarmouth, rural Yarmouth County, uh, out in the county and visiting. Uh, we went back to some homes over months four or five times before the night we led them to Christ. Right. Rarely did we ever go in one night. Yeah, and just go right for the yeah, jugular kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I, 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 but to, to my point, though, I wonder, though, if 
you know, in comparison to how a lot of us would employ our evangelistic strategy, if we even have one now, like on a personal level, most of us probably try to get too cute with it in that, like, I'm, I'm going to be relational to the, going to be relational to death, basically, where it's like, well, you know, I'm going to just be in their life. I'm going to shine a light. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if it ever comes up, hopefully I'll take, I'll get, I'll get that chance. And it's like, I wonder if, again, at the end of the day, back, back to the theme, I think here is like, at a certain point, you just got to do it. You just got to sit down and say, look, man, I've come here four times, yeah. not here just because yeah. I, I want to hang out. Yeah. I'm here because God's coming after you. And like, just sort of pulling the band aid and doing it. And, you know, you're talking about drawing on the bridge, you know, like, yeah. where would you put the pen in their hand? Yeah. Say, where would you draw yourself right now and yeah. why? Yeah. And then, and I just wonder, w- I, you know, like you said, the word relational, like, I just wonder if really like Christianity at the end of the day is quite simple. It's about devotion. It's mm-hmm. about relationship with God and relationship with others. And the moment we start to try to get too cute with stuff, we, we sort of start robbing it of its power, even like for preaching, Take, let's talk preaching for a second. It's like uh, we're, where Paul said, um, you know, I didn't come to you with eloquent arguments and, and wise words, so you know, because that would rob the gospel of its power. He's like saying yeah. the, the gospel is actually power in it. It's powerful in its simplicity. Yeah. It's just raw. And uh, I, I just wonder if, you know, I've been thinking of that in my own life, times where I've I've used some tactic or some like long relational play with somebody on my basketball team or something that really, if I was just being honest, God would say, nudge the guy and tell, and, 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 you know, tell him about me. You know, I just wonder about that, the role of simplicity and just simply simple obedience, even, you know, I fought that through the years. It's, it's so easy to be relational for me at least. And so difficult to make the transition from basketball and weather and sports and, and yeah. all of that to big. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. You know, it's to get to it. And I've, it is so simple, but it, it's a real discipline. Always was a discipline yeah. for me. Not easy. Yeah. To, to, but I, I really need to talk to you about something tonight. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I often use the question you've heard a thousand times. If you were, if you were to die today, do you know for sure yeah. that yeah. you'd go to be with the Lord, that you'd go to heaven? Yeah. And depending on the answer, the bridge is so easy to draw out of that. But See, I, I love that. The simplicity of it, but it's everything else is easy to get to that. I talk myself out of that. Right. A lot of times I'm next week. I feel like that's what, I, I feel talk. like that's what we do, and it's like if, if at some point the this just the simple reality of you know, in whatever it is, whether it's evangelism, whether it's sensing a call to ministry, praying for healing, like at some point there just comes this moment where you're going to be, you're going to either do it or not. Yeah. You're going to either simply obey. And I, I think, man, we overcomplicate things because of fear. That's good. Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking about that with, you know, I'll, there's a big part of me when I hear the bridge, I hear the gospel explained as the bridge, you know, and like yeah. a, a question like, do you know what's going to happen when you die? You know, there's a big part of me because I've I've read a lot of books about the gospel. I've done deep dive study on it. There's a big part of me, and it's based on a half truth that says, "Oh, that's way way too simple to talk about." Like the gospel of Jesus, the 
you know, the announcement that, that God has reclaimed his kingship and restored Israel and like he started bringing in all these layers to the gospel, which are true and beautiful. Yeah. But I wonder, I wonder if sometimes, you know, the enemy or even our own wickedness will use our own understanding to cause us some, some type of failure to, to just do it, yeah. Yeah, like failure to launch. Yeah. And just the simple... I think you said the word discipline, like disciplines are simple. It's quite simple. If you eat junk food and don't exercise, you're going to be fat. It's very simple. You know, <laughs> but if you exercise yeah, and eat yeah. half decent, you're going to yeah. be in decent shape. But it's a discipline. It's yeah. a discipline. And man, I've, that's been one of the things that this season God's been <laughs> highlighting to me. It's just, yeah. just the simple, simple obedience, simple disciplines, you know, there's it's funny the older i get the more wisdom i see in what i was given you know read your bible pray every day yeah like it can't be that simple well it's it is it's yeah, it is that simple it's much yeah. more complex i'm sure as well but <laughs> yeah it's and that's the thing i think that's that's the beauty of the beauty of how god works you know like the most powerful things are highly complex given to us in a very simple form like you take you take an iphone right it's like if i uh oh did you see my see my screensaver maybe i'll show the just a sec i'll clear the it's i'll show i'll show the people at home here oh he's he's peeing he's watering he's, the flowers. he's watering the flowers it's my uh it's my son in the beautiful background and he's peeing did he know his dad was oh, taking no, his he had picture no, he had no idea there will yeah. come a day he won't like that picture. No, much, not so know. much. And then he'll like it again later on. <laughs> like, that's a great picture. Then he'll be showing it. Yeah. But you take an iPhone and you get these icons, right? And it's like, you know, the, the beauty of we've been, we've been given this tool that's got a lot of capability. But quite simply, if I want to, I don't need to understand how the email works. I just got to press the button, yeah, the, the mail button, yeah. and it, it does what it's supposed to do. And I wonder if yeah. Christianity and the discipline, so to speak, are even like, I don't need to understand all of how prayer works. I just know it's a good thing I need to pray or yeah. I need to share my faith and those things like yeah. bringing this down to a simple, will you or won't you, are you going to obey? Yeah. Or are you not going to, you know, I think that's a, a huge, huge, yeah. but how do you, I guess the question with disciplines, I'd ask you this, cause you know, I'm back to our theme of you've seemed to be able to stay faithful in ministry for decades. You know, before we even started the podcast, you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm, as long as I'm able, I'm going to answer the call. You know, God, if God calls me to come serve and, you know, it's clearly him and there's no reason it's, I shouldn't, then I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you stay motivated? I think is my question on the reason we don't go through with something and following God. The reason we lack discipline is we, we lack the ability to just continue to do. So how did you, how did you go door to door for decades or you know how did you make those those um purposeful evangelistic connections like so many people just give themselves excuses i do and yeah. i and i get off the, i get out of the habit how how do you keep you know the the habit of obeying god in the ways you know how i'm not saying you never disobey i'm sure no. like everybody else but there does seem to be a lifestyle of i'm just going to stay at it how where does that where does that what's your What's the secret to <laughs> simple obedience over the long haul? Yeah. Well, I never, I don't know. I just, uh, when it comes to ministry, 
when it comes to obedience, uh, as simple as saying, I'm going to say yes to whatever the opportunity is. For example, yeah. if you, you asked me to come mm-hmm. and speak at this, uh, the marriage thing yep. in October, well, the answer is yes. Yeah. I don't need to pray about that. I'll say yes and then pray about it. Right. And so that's been my attitude. There are certain things I know I need to do. I mean, why would anybody pray about whether I should or should not share my faith with my neighbor? Right. You, you ju- that's just... Just the answer is yes. Well, the answer is yes. And so the answer is yes. There was no possibility of me saying no yeah. to coming to the marriage thing in October. Right, Unless, unless it's... It's well, booked unless you yeah, can't. Yeah, right, unless I can't. And so I never say, I'll pray about it and let you know. It's not a should I. preach somewhere. It's not, uh, well, I'm not going to pray about it. Yeah. I made that decision in 78. And so there are certain things I know I need to do. I won't pray about it and let you know. I'll say yes and then pray about it. Yeah. And so I said yes to the marriage thing. Father, help me, give me things to say and the way to say it that will impact and help people with their marriage and yeah. and so on. But there there are some things that it's a no-brainer. I'm a believer. I should do this. Right. And so at, at my age, I feel like uh, if the phone rings, the answer is yes. Yeah. If my calendar's clear yeah. and and I don't need to mull it over or I, talk with yeah. my wife whether sure. I'm free or not but it's it's sort of a no-brainer obedience thing yeah that I said I, I crossed that bridge I said yes right that I would and so default so so really the secret is a, a, a default to yes and it's not a yes. it's not a should I it's a it's a it's a can I or can't I yeah and if the answer is yes then my answer is yes, yes. you know yeah and well that's what it's been for me through the years, I guess. That served yeah. you well. I mean, well, I never have. This is the most I've thought that through. Yeah. I guess I've not been asked that before, but. I think that's, I think that's unusual. I don't think, I, I, I don't, don't know. Is it? I don't. It, I, it, 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 no, it really is. I mean, that, but that's been something that even in my own life, like I think about back to the preaching, you know, you, you shared that, you know, in our preaching, in, in our preaching class, like if I get asked to preach somewhere and my calendar's open. Yes. I do it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how big or small or, you know, if, if I can do it, I'd, I'll do it, you know, and that's at this point in my life, you know, that's been a very, that's been a healthy challenge that I've said yes to things that, you know, um, maybe other people in my position wouldn't. And so have you where, um, you know, that's too small a thing or you know, I'm not going to go speak at this thing for, you know, 20 people. That, that kind of thing you yeah. start you start measuring and again getting too cute with it and okay. it's like you know i've i speak to a couple thousand people a weekend you know i, I don't have, i don't need to go speak to 20 people you know and you start yeah. and it's like I, I i think the heart of god is if i if i ask you to do something do it yeah you know and again i think there's a bigger conversation around this whole idea of default to yes i think you know, I try not to say no. I just try to know what I'm saying yes to. And so that helps me, helps me filter yeah. sometimes. Cause you can't, you can't say yes to everything. Well, you can't. 
No, it, well, it, well, maybe especially you can't, though, with your additional responsibilities and and the demands and asks that come your way. You do need, you do need to be. I think, uh, though, the, but you've been such a your yes mentality has been such a a good guardrail for my heart that if I don't have a good answer why I can't do something because I've said yes to something else. If I'm saying no because it's, you know, inconvenient or uh, doesn't fit my idea of what's a good use of my time or like that's, I think that's getting into dangerous territory, you yeah. know, with your, for, with your heart. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I mean, I just had this conversation last week. I, I have an assistant, which sounds kind of pretentious, but you know, she kind of looks after my calendar and that kind of thing. And, you know, I've had, I had a few people on the calendar that, uh, you know, generally I wouldn't just be available to meet with that I meet with. And one of the things we, we both said in the conversation was, you know, I always need to be accessible at some level, even if it's not to everyone. I need to know that, you know, yeah. I think, I think God will always just test me in life. And I think this is for everybody. I think God tests our obedience with things that could be cooked up as distractions. Um, you know, I, I, I met with someone last week that there was, there was no reason why it had to be me in the, in the workings of our church could have, could have been, like I told yeah. you, there's a couple dozen pastors, you know, could have been anybody, and, yeah. but I don't ever want to get to that place where I've built such an island Good and I'm you. so isolated yeah. and insulated that, you know, it's not I, for me. It's not about that person. I think it's it's a bigger question. Is like, does God at the end of the day control my calendar? Does He control my, yeah, you know? And I think you you put that in me, and I don't I don't want to lose that. Like the, just I need I need to always. I if I answer to call to ministry, I think this is what this maybe I'll say it in my words. What I think you're saying is God called me called me to ministry. I said yes. Yeah. And that's a that's a yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. big yes. Yeah, it is. I don't think I ever had to, like the largest church I would have been lead of would be close to six, maybe to 600. And, of course, there are dynamics that are involved in the demands on your time when you move up to a church the size that King's is yeah. today. But I, I don't, almost always, it, it never got to be a problem that when people I was able to see people that wanted to see me. Yeah. I don't think I ever had to say, no, I can't. You have to see this other s- staff. You could have, though. You could have, like, Probably. at that size. Like, I think that's, that's – and that's the challenge for me is yeah. I can say no and justify it. Yes. And that's, that's the thing I, I think the Lord keeps testing me and I want to guard my heart from is, you know – there, there is, I could give a hundred reasons, you know, why I could say no, but God, God's after my yes. And I need, and I need to know, I need to know that there's that just like this whole thing, this whole economy of my time and where I give my energy and, and quote unquote, what I say yes to is built on one giant yes. And, and that needs to be a yes to God and not a yes to Brent. And I think sometimes it's possible, I'll at least say for me and probably other leaders and maybe larger contexts, it's very possible to hide behind the organization 
and stop saying yes to God and start saying yes to yourself and making excuses for, you know, your availability. And so, yeah. you know, it's... Well, one of, one of the things that helped me say the constant yes, I think I've been diligent through the years about the, when I'm off, I'm off. When I, yeah. I have diligently through the years taken a, a day, mm-hmm. one day away from ministry, away from the church, I'm not available. Uh, one day a week, three weeks a year. Yeah, uh, you know, I would tell my assistant unless there's the continental divide shifts and Yarmouth, yeah, wherever I was, dropped into the depths of the sea. Don't call me. Yeah, uh, and that helps me that when I'm engaged, I can be fully on, fully engaged. And I don't think my children, when they were little, I don't think if you were to ask them today, uh, was was your dad absent? Do you remember your dad being around? I think they would say that I was a present father. Yeah. I was careful not to be out more than three nights a week. Yeah. I was when I was off, I was off and not only physically present but engaged right. with them. Tried to be and But God's called you to them. And that's yes. a, that's a, it's another that's yes. Another, it's another yes. Yeah. But you have to Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be able to yeah. I I think it's I guess at the end of the day, when we start saying yes to our to ourselves, we're we're getting in dangerous territory. You know, like I think yes to God, yes to others, beginning with your family. I think, yeah, and and yeah, that's I mean, it's such a wise um, framework that I think brings so much life and health. Um, you, uh, is, I, was, I was just thinking when you were sharing that with your family, you know. You end up having to say no to, you know, so do your assistant say, don't call me, right? Like I'm going yeah. on vacation. So that yeah. that's a no, but it's, again, it's based on a bigger yes. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Last, last, last train of thought. I want to talk to you about the church for a second. You know, you have, how many, I was trying to think of this, how many churches have you pastored? Well. In that, in that 40, nearly 40 years now, right? So almost four decades or in you've served in four different decades anyway the 80s the 90s well the time of my life actually i started the book discovered that did you you know it's one thing to write to preach and another thing to write for it to be read are you handwriting it i am and i'm here i've got the i've only written a chapter and it's been a year or two since i've written a chapter i'm a poor writer and I, th- I read that, and I think if I can't do better than that, I can't. It's just a it's simple different, book. It's different, isn't it? The time of my life, it's an episodal book of my time in Yarmouth. Oh, wow. 21 years, the time of my life. I want to read that. Finish it. <laughs> I better get at it. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so 21 years in Yarmouth of the 38, 18 and 1 yeah, the, the vast and, bulk and of it was the, yeah, yeah yeah the bulk of it there four years at Corbett Avenue in Fredericton yeah. and yeah a year here and a year there. Well, it's important you say that because because you've experienced both longevity and faithfulness in one context, and then you've also served yeah. uh, in kind of a lot of interim, you know, like uh, yeah recent years. Yeah, yeah, I've done some of that. Yeah, just so, wherever it seems like there was a need, where there was a call. Yeah. Yeah, and said the, yes, and the, well, yes. If I got the call, it just seemed like, yeah, ministry is what I do. So, right. Yeah. Right. And so you've you've been, 
Southern Nova Scotia. You've been uh, not just Yarmouth, but you were you were out. At I was town. a year on Cape Island. Yeah, a little church down yeah. Cape Sable Island. Yeah. for one year, church of sixty or so. Yeah, Blacks Harbor last year. Yeah, back now at my home church for this past year. It looks like. Yeah, into this next year. Yeah, at least a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So you've been and you've been in. You've worked in. Uh, well, you've worked here with us. You've worked, uh, I think, did a season at Moncton Wesleyan as well. So Three times on staff there. Yeah, so you've been in churches over a thousand. A, can't hold a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. you can't say, you don't know how to say <laughs> no. <laughs> My yes maybe gets yeah, me in trouble it, now. It does. Good maybe trouble. not. It's good trouble. That's I right. I haven't missed it on any of those. Right. I look back now and I think that yes was the right one. Yeah. That was right that I did that and this and this. Well, I think, you're, I think that brings up a whole different conversation about... <laughs> Well, I, I, I think if we say what we believe to be yes to God from a genuine space, even if we misheard him, which I think is a possibility, but if we're genuine, I'm doing this because I think God's calling me to it and I'm do, I want to do the right thing before him, I think he blesses that. Even if, I, I've said it, I said it like I have a, a talk I've given it like, church leadership conferences talking about stepping out in faith and one of the things i've said is like i think god will bless you know god fearing god loving stupidity <laughs> over overly cautious scarcity all day Ooh. I, I think i think if, if i had a pan I'd write that down. well if like even if like, like because of the disposition of your heart is yes i want to i want to please god i want to i gave him my yes i'll go even if it was like a distraction that it was the devil that did it. I think God gets in so there and moves him stupidity. out. I think he will. I think God gets in there and moves him out and says, uh-huh. "Well, here we are, uh-huh. Cape Sable Island. Let's yeah. let's make this awesome." You know, I just yeah. think I think God is a great. Well, here we are. You know, <laughs> so. But I've had an experience, at least one, where God clearly, I said the yes and it was wrong. Yeah. And God clearly turned me. I just lost my sense of peace and. Uh, an invading sense this yeah. is not right right and the right people calling me at the right time yeah twice i've reversed uh, yeah what was a yes and yeah rather than uh, i look back now it's a stupid move yeah but god reversed me i almost left yarmouth in 93 oh really and right on the cusp of the biggest move that we've ever made down there and built this 750 seat sanctuary yeah. that you saw last yeah. week uh Almost left in 93. And I look back now and think, oh, thank you, Lord, yep. for making it clear, yep. let, letting me know, sending the right people to me. Yep. Uh, Laurel Buckingham saying, don't do this. Yeah. Don't, don't go. Yeah. <laughs> Stay there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. H.C. Wilson, two of my other yeah. heroes that yeah. I do know and know well. Yeah. And they're going to be my best friends. Laurel Buckingham and H.C. Wilson yeah. have been models for me yeah i used to look at them and think if i want to do what they do yeah when i was young yeah and watching moncton and watching hillside and dartmouth and so on what so back to my question about you've you've worked at churches over a thousand you've worked at churches uh a, a couple dozen you know um yeah. down in down in sable island i would think would be 40 or 50 people probably yeah um you've worked at churches of two to four hundred you've been at the 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 four to six hundred range you've really 
pretty much done it all. You know, what is it? What is it about the church at every size that you find consistent, like that uh, that you love? Like, like what what do you? Because I think that's one of the misconceptions people have if they've not experienced, if they've been at a large church and they've not been part of a small church. They probably make assumptions about it, and uh, and small churches often make assumptions about large churches. What do you find beautiful and consistent in, in all of them? The Holy Spirit sh- shows up and transforms lives in little churches of 35 yeah. and in churches of 2,000. Yeah. He's just faithful. Yeah. The, the word will re- not return void, yeah. will not return empty. It will accomplish its purpose. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit uh, is present and honors, honors the word preached and transformed lives happened every place I've ever been. Right. And, you know, to lead people into the waters of baptism and hear them declare their faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I mean, even that that one year in Cape Island, on a good day, we might reach 70. Yeah. I think we baptized 12 that year. Wow. So, you know, remarkable. But yeah, that's been c- consistent every place I've been. I've always loved to preach. Yeah. And... Uh, the gospel is the gospel. The word is powerful, yeah. sharper than a it double-edged is. sword, able it to is. pierce to the quick. Yeah, and uh, and no matter where you are, I've I've seen that in every yeah every church size that I've been privileged to be a part of. Yeah, that's it's, it's just a refreshing thing to hear, you know, because I think the 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 glorious thing about a church isn't the size of it; it's what God does in yes. it. Yes. You know, and and I've been to very dead small churches and very alive small churches, and I've been to very dead large churches and very alive large churches. I think it's yeah. it's about what God's doing. You're totally right. Does um last question about preaching because you, you referenced that you you are not just my my preaching professor, but one of my favorite preachers of all time. <laughs> when I picture preaching, I picture you. Um, what makes good preaching in your in your assumption? What's what are the what are the quintessential? You know, if I walked away from something and said that was oof, that was good, what what was what was it that? Well, it comes out of the preacher's heart. Yeah, it's just just not a, a well crafted. That's good. That's yeah. important. But it's got to come from what you are and who you are. You've got to have process this in your own spirit you preach it to yourself before you ever preach it to the people right but in practical terms when you hear a sermon that the simple definition of preaching is uh, an an expositional sermon is an explanation and an illustration and an application of a biblical truth right and uh Nobody does that better than you. Oh, stop. Well, well, <laughs> I told Ron, I well, told Ron, he's going to flip this yeah, back on well, me, and I don't want yeah. it. Well, you do. You you know, uh, sermons that just explain Scripture and have people going, I, I believe that, I agree with that. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah. Uh, it can't. You can't just preach to people's heads. Right. You have to get to their heart. What gets to the heart? Yeah. Well, when you... When you Give them a picture of what that truth looks like in a real life. You tell a, an illustration about your kids and what Alex said yeah. in, in response Brings to what it. you said, yeah. and all of a sudden, people hear it here and feel it here. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, you got to get to the will, right? You know, 
the application is how will I respond uh, to this to this truth and yeah. well you do those you do those things well when I teach the preaching course I taught it I guess last time was last year I want you to come to my class because you do those things uh, consistently with excellence and you preach with a passion because yeah. it comes from the depths of your spirit right it's awesome yeah well i need i i need you to flip that around on me that's not why i asked but um yeah there's something about that whole like i think where paul says in ephesians he says i didn't i didn't fail to preach you the whole council you know like I, I feel like he didn't in that he didn't avoid topics like which i think that's always a temptation if you preach the long haul in one place is sometimes there's things we'd rather not have to address because it'd be difficult or yeah. challenging and but I, the other thing though is like it, the whole council means not just you know stirring someone's thoughts or intellect or not just preaching to the heart yeah you know because that if it's just if it's all heart it's emotionalism and if right. it's all yeah. if it's all in your head it's intellectualism yeah and if it's all in your doing in the, in the will it's legalism and that's yeah, why that's I think yeah. God wants us like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Good preaching hits all of those. It does. Yeah. 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 And and I would encourage, you know, if someone's listening, like that's that's probably the filter you need to be, you know, I think there's a, that's a whole conversation maybe for another day about, you know, we're in a time now where you can sit under the ministry of whatever preacher you want, you know, yeah. whenever you want. And there's a maybe a consumeristic component that. to that that's I think a really bad thing for the church. Yeah. I think there are men and women who have a real huge platform. They're a gift to the kingdom. I, I I'm grateful for those people, uh, but there's something to be said about submitting yourself simply to the pastor that God's put over you. And and then I would probably think about it along those lines of it's not is this as good as Stephen Furtick or whoever your favorite, you know, celebrity preacher is. It's, is God challenging me through the pulpit of this church? Is he challenging my, 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 my thinking, you know, is he renewing my mind? Is he changing my heart? Is he, is it flushing itself out in my actions? You know, I think that's, I think that's really the, the framework. That's what good preaching does. Yeah, you're right. Those levels. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, Thank you for, uh, I think we did. I think we went beyond 30 minutes. So I think uh, mission accomplished. So we need to do this again. This is fun. Sometime. I enjoyed it. Sometime selfishly. Maybe I'll get you and Dr. Wilson and Dr. Buckingham. Wouldn't that be fun? And we just, just, I just would want to be a fly on the wall and listen to you guys share war stories. (laughs) So, yeah. And then I I just, it's such a gift. You're you're a gift. And I'm very grateful for you'll be willing to sit down. Thank so, you, Pastor Brandon. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Pastor John. He's just such a special, special person to me, and I hope you got to see a little bit of why I think that's the case. Hey, do me a favor before you go. Why don't you subscribe? Why don't you leave a review, at least if it's a positive one? Don't be a troll. Don't bring your trolling here. Take your trolling somewhere else. Leave a review. Share it with somebody. Help us get the word out and build this platform as we go. We'll see you next time on the Speaking Of podcast.